Uh, welcome to the Movie Overload podcast. This is a live from uh, the basement this time. It's a really good place to be. One of us is eating a granola bar. Another of us woke well, up very not a early. Bar. What are you eating? I can just hear it. I can't see. It's, it's a little blind. chocolates. One so, of us is eating a chocolate. The other one of yeah. us is tired. And only one also another one of us is tired and i'm not tired third one of i slept us is great tired. last night you said that you woke up late that uh well late. i woke up late but that's because i got an hour and a half of sleep the night before and my body was compensating oh, i thought that was last night okay. but i woke Jeez. up and i was like hmm is good i'm a and and one of us is a bad listener <laughs> <laughs> uh my name is weave i'm joined uh by my friends aiden hunter and Anna, and we're here to talk about movies. We're going through uh, the list that I made of arbitrarily chosen uh, greatest films of all time. No. From A Trip to the Moon to Parasite and everything in between, except for Woody Allen. Fuck Woody Allen. Listen on for our spoilerific discussion of this week's film, Suspiria. It's like super spoilerific. spoilerific. too bad. Oh God, that's not what I was going for. Speaking of Suspiria, names that begin with S's are snakes. (gasps) The delivery of those lines in particular was like really weird. Like I didn't really totally mind the rest of them. Well, I know, but like those ones in particular were like, why are they saying the words like that? I mean, it's a movie. It 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 weird. Mm -hmm. It nineteen seventy seven. Can I just give us a little bit of pause to celebrate the fact that this is halfway through? This is episode 50. This is 50? Yeah. Wow. This is our 50. Oh, shoot. Yeah, it is. Look at us mm-hmm. go. From here on, a vast majority of what we cover are probably both movies we've already seen, and and a lot of them are probably blockbusters. Um, because you're a hack. Because I'm a hack in in making a list where I was like, oh, I'll have Ooh. some things. But I also don't want people to be mad at me, so I'll include these movies. And a lot of those start with Star Wars. Yeah, which is uh, next week's episode, mm-hmm. followed Woo-hoo. by, again, Star Wars. For, we can well, change it. We, there's time. I mean, we're not, but we could. I'm going to be incredibly salty for the next few episodes. I'm... I'm going to get roasted and it's fine because part of the way this podcast works is we watch all the movies and then we determine what a better list would be. And once I make my case for what I was thinking when I put that movie on the list, uh, then you all will realize that I'm so brilliant and it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool with it. See, this is, these are movies that will appeal to the part of me that likes the list just because it has some movies that I haven't seen on it and want to watch. Mm -hmm. And I have seen Star Wars, both of those movies. It's been a very long time and I just want to watch them again. And also, maybe you guys haven't watched the despecialized editions. That's not real. So, the the 2004? (laughs) Is that one of those? Which one? No. Special editions? When did they come out with the box sets of the original trilogy that uh, I have? The original one was 99, but then they did do a later that. one. It was definitely like mid-2000s. It, it was. I think that's that's what I have, right. and that's the only real version. <laughs> okay. You're In so fact, correct. I'll probably watch the versions on Disney+. Plus. No, you won't. 
You guys are going to watch the specialized editions with me, and for the first time in his life, Aiden is going to appreciate them the proper way. Okay, but before we continue talking about how to find the despecialized edition of Star Wars, I would like to make a case for the fact that even though Suspiria is not my jam, like, Mm. I would never choose to watch it on a Friday night, like, buckling up to watch a movie, I think it definitely belongs on the podcast list. I am glad. I I, I want to hear your case. I, I, I also, I very much like this film. Also, I don't like this film at all, but... uh, yeah, there's definitely, I think all of us in our review pointed out that the narrative and <laughs> the character and the script is just terrible garbage. That ain't why we're yeah. here, for Wha- sure. But the colors and the textures and the music just, like, bamboozled my mind. It do bamboos. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yes, it do. My brain just kind of like... It do be bamboozling. It do be bamboozling, boo-boo. Yes, and now weave.exe is offline. I'm, I'm not here Boom. anymore. I'm just going to be quiet page now. page not found. Ooh. Cool. This script was really bad, and it did... It it was going to annoy me until I just kind of shut off my brain, and then I was like, I, I don't I know. can get through this. Okay, is it... Bad or is it just very like kind of camp, just melodramatic, heightened? Um, it feels like a first draft of a script. It's like I have this great idea, like uh, witches in the ballet school, and then okay. that's the. Well, I feel like it's not. I don't feel like it's a first draft. I feel like somebody watched a movie that had this plot, and or, or in a dream, and then they woke mm. up and. And like while they were kind of still asleep, wrote it. It feels like a homeopathic version of the script. You know how they like do that thing where it's like, oh, this is water that has touched this object that has touched this object, and we got a little bit of like a drop of water from it in this bottle. Of... Yeah, yeah. It's like... like that, but with the script. It's like, it's so barely reflecting the thing that it's trying to do. And the only reason why it feels like it has any character or dimension to it is because of the actual like textures of the filmmaking that bring out things. I think Also, can we just say rip to Mike? Because I was really (laughs) ready for there to be like a cute like love thing and then like I was also emotionally prepared for him to die and he just like disappears a third of the way or two thirds into the movie and then he's at the ballet and that's the end yeah he just don't matter too much i guess who needs mike yeah (laughs) strong powerful women they can die on their own they don't yeah well sarah doesn't die die. i mean Susie. not die sarah dies Yeah. yeah sarah does die uh no but i think y'all actually you're picking up on the vibes of the movie i think you're just interpreting them as like a odd negative they didn't mean to do this instead of as a they were trying to make like something that felt halfway between a dream and a fairy tale and Mm. just gives you weird vibes because fun fact dario argento has written and directed a lot of other movies and very few other of his movies are are like this (laughs) i mean they are they all tend to be on the end of being more style over substance Mm. but None of them are really this off other than, like, his sequel to this film, Inferno, which is 
more off and weird. I was going to ask if you've seen the other two in the trilogy. Yeah. uh, What I you might be thinking of another film because there are a lot of films called Inferno. Probably true. uh, The one with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, this is a part (laughs) of what would become a trilogy that he would make. um, That's thematic, like the witches that are mentioned in this. They're like three mothers. And there are three different films focusing on each of the, kind of the witch mothers. Uh, Inferno's pretty; it's it's pretty out there, um, but it's it's at cool at least. And then Mother of Tears, which is the third film he made, two thousand seven. Yeah, uh, and it is very much in the very bad end of two thousands uh, movies. <laughs> it is. There was kind of a rough patch in the mid-early 2000s. Like, fashion got bad, music got bad, movies oh, got man. bad. It's Everything kinda, was bad. Yeah, and maybe it'll... I, I Just because the 90s went back in vogue, I feel like eventually it will, too, which is going to be awkward. Yikes! Well, but I watched uh, Devil Wears Prada, and mm. some of those fashion montages... Like, the movie's still great, and some of the outfits are great. But there are some outfits in there that are aggressively 2006 in a way that, like, I wanted to claw my eyes out. There's just my favorite pastime is looking up Ashley Tisdale on the red carpet in like 2004 (laughs) (laughs) with like the scarves and the the vest and the hat and the low rise jeans and four belts. And so good, yeah, hell yeah. Well, and and in five years, that's how everybody's going to be dressing. I'm, I'm not lying. To Speaking you. I'm just of weird die design, now, actually, while uh, fashion's still all right. What did you think of movie clothes? The the clothes in the movie. Clothes in the movie. I mean, give thoughts. There were a lot of leotards in the clothes. But I mean, I think honestly, I did not focus on any of it because I was too focused on the hair. Like mm-hmm. I like the I, hair. I couldn't. I couldn't look away from the hair. I was Her like, hair was really good. It takes. It looks like it takes so much effort. And then there's yeah. that bit where, um, who was it? Was it Susie? I don't know. Where they like go into the the like pool together. Yeah, Susie mm. and Sarah. Yeah, and her hair is in the water a little bit and then like pulls up and it's like, just like it just isn't there anymore. Like yeah. so much of it is just uh-huh. that it's been like <coughs> curled and put up in a certain way and it, I don't know the, the contrast between how fluffy it was and how thin it was was very upsetting yeah. to me for some reason. <laughs> As like just get all the way in the water at that point. But. I liked the costuming. I loved her like flowy dresses, Susie, and then like the scarves and things. I thought that was very cool. Mm. Um, the leotards. I was like, ah, cool leotards, and I loved that. Especially the men's leotard was like a really low neckline to where it was like the straps only cover the nipple and then you just get like a whole bunch of chest hair like just like that's nice. all the shirt is is like nipple strips and chest hair i hated that yeah nipple strips and chest hair sounds like the name of like a hipster band that's strips and the chest like hair. a good hipster band though like i'd go Yikes. see them at a dive bar <laughs> And they just you wear, <laughs> have you seen those, like, crocheted onesie outfits? It's my favorite thing that comes up on, like, the Keep Portland Weird page, but they're, like, 
crocheted men's jumper things, but it's basically like nipple strips and then these crocheted bell bottoms. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Anyway, oh, overall, man. I like the costuming. I um, think the trope of what's her name, Mrs. Turner, mm. the strict professor lady. Mm-hmm. I think the trope of her costume that might be pretty early on into that trope, and I, I'm kind of like enough already. We don't need shoulder pads and no. heels oh. to prove that she's strict. Yeah, but <laughs> that's fair. This was kind of an early film in that movement, I think. So mayhaps. Well, I've seen it before. Well, yeah. It this this film does a lot of things, um, and it's it's a lot. Like uh, I love the fact that this film has uh, a score by Dario Argento's band Goblin. That is variations on two songs for the entire movie. Huh. Yeah. I kind of, I yeah, like I really liked it at first. I was like, dang, this is so spooky. I hate it, but it's really good. And by the end, I put this in my review, by the end I was tired of the song. Like in the last like big scene, I was like, man, I've heard this song before so many times. But it was still cool i don't know i was kind of like i like it but also i'm tired of it i'm bored by this one song i I think it's meant to symbolically represent the feeling of being trapped in a ballet school run by witches (laughs) yeah the repetitive nature of being trapped in in hallways oh man i I am just bullshitting i think we all know what that's like (laughs) but okay so uh before we all fall asleep uh I mean, None of us are falling asleep. Yeah, but our energy is like at a four. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just me and Aiden who are awake and like, yeah, let's talk about this film. I'm so... Aiden. Are you kidding me? I said that You're thing. playing Sudoku right now. I'm totally not at all. <laughs> I'm not addicted to Sudoku. I'm... <laughs> please. I'm here. I just don't have as many things to say. Okay, but here's one thing MO. you can bring up because I think you've That's seen the remake good. as well, right? Oh, yeah, I have. Uh, so this film very famously had a remake in 2018. It sure did. Uh, and Hunter, is the remake anything like the original film? Only in the broadest of strokes. Yeah. In terms of its like content, like narrative content. Not in, I would not say even in visuals and audio. Yeah, like not that I remember. It's been a couple professor, of years. Professor, the blind professor gets attacked by his seeing eye dog still. That's true. I forgot about that. Um, and they're both set at a ballet school. Yes. Um, it's not even ballet, is it? Is it? Or is it? Well, in the new it's like one, it's more like, like, it's just like dance. 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 Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of a generalized whatever. Mm. I didn't think it was ballet specifically, um, but yeah, dance. And the new one has uh, 150% more Tilda Swinton. Oh, yes. so much And it's more. also an, about an hour longer. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and also, it has a plot, and it yeah. uh, doesn't feel dreamlike and meandering and also a girl does not fall into a room in a ballet school that is filled with razor wire (laughs) yeah i was a little confused for five minutes yeah she just can't get out it's rough it's a long time and she's just trying to twist the doorknob uh in this room filled with razor wire forever yeah always trying to twist those doorknobs throats (laughs) slitted yeah dead then she does and but and it looks like the Tauntaun. Oh, yeah. I guess so. When, when we'll see that in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we'll bring I, it back. I really like that 2018 remake, though. I think it's a cool movie. 
I want to see it. I haven't seen any of uh, Luca can't pronounce his yeah, last names. Movies. It's, it's more of a horror movie than the original is, I would say. So that might hurt me. So question it, about like, horror movies in general, because I have not watched many. Yes. Is it kind of, so the theme that I kind of picked up and maybe, I don't know, enough of us are complaining about the script. The impression that I got was like, the script is irrelevant. We want to show you our amazing textural set design, which I think is you, maybe not unique, but especially to this film. But then what's more important is the ability to make you scared and the visual effects and set design. Is that a theme in horror film and like thriller suspense movies? Or uh, I'd say, are they generally more well written than this one? In well, so okay, <laughs> so most of them are a going for a different thing, but also uh, horror films of this period uh, do kind of tend to stray more towards you are here to watch cool practical effects, uh, people uh, die, and uh, have some like cool shots. That is kind of what more movies are going for i would say even something like texas chainsaw massacre could fall into that same thing and that it's kind of being more experiential and has a very thin narrative but it's just like it has its feelings and it still gets across and is effective yeah it's it's less plot more uh like emotional like journey Mm -hmm. and this is kind of a bit interesting because this is part of a unique subgenre a part of film that we have actually kind of yet to touch on in this mm-hmm. podcast, which is uh, the Italian mm-hmm. film industry. Right, we haven't really mm. yeah, done anything yeah. Italian yet. Yeah, we haven't done eight and a half either. Not quite yet. Oh, shit. We're, we'll I be there about yeah, that. in a week Darn it. or two. Heck. Yeah. Well, and so... 1983. You're right. You're right. See, I don't know. Why am I going on? I don't, know. Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know why you're mixing up the timeline. But it's confusing. For I mean, a, yes, a long time, it. like European cinema... Uh, compared to American cinema, was much more kind of art house and pretentious mm. and prestige uh, Um, Real quick. Yeah. So I've heard of the term art house thrown, like, bandied about in every yeah. film circle that I'm in, and I'm kind of like, yeah. Can you just, like, define it for our listeners and also for me, please? <laughs> well, yeah, so... Is there a definition, or is it just like, this is artistic? It's, it's a bit of a loose definition, it's because the loose. term uh, originated in... Uh, it there were a type of cinema that were called like art house cinemas, and they would like mostly just play European films. So you'd go to them, you go to these little independent theaters to see like the new Igmar Bergman movie or like an old Igmar Bergman movie that's playing. And so that term, that term that kind of represents more art. So instead of going to a movie theater, you'd go to an art house. Is that kind of well, what it, it, so well, it's, it is a movie theater. It's just in America, the movie theaters that would play the um, more artistically motivated films from Europe and uh, maybe some some films from America, but mostly like cinephile type movies uh, were, were distinguished. And so that's why it's a bit loose of a definition. And it's mm-hmm. kind of changed a lot over time. Usually, people use art house either uh, as like a descriptor of okay, this is the type of movie it is, or kind of as like a joking insult. 
Like, oh, gotcha. it's this boring movie where nothing happens and someone eats an entire pie on screen, then throws it up in a continuous unbroken shot sort of Aww. thing, which is a scene from, I believe, a ghost story that people would rip uh, on and stuff like that. Why do people rip on that? I've only ever heard you rip on that. It's uh, a good scene. It's fine. Well, it, it, no, so it, it's it's interesting. It's just, it, it's slow and it's more focused not on plot, but on mm-hmm. like experience and cinema. Okay, yeah, gotcha. I mean, I think that's something that the podcast in general, I feel like has taught me a little bit more is we've grown up and lived in the age of pretty much if you want to see a movie, it's there, mm. it's available, it's on the internet, whatever. Um, yeah. And, and even earlier on obviously before that it was maybe you could find a dvd or a vhs or a blockbuster mm-hmm. would have something or somehow you found some sort of mail order service you could get it yeah. if you really wanted it hopefully but even before that like there wasn't as accessible home video and a lot of times a lot of the movies that we've covered you know you you make the movie and then it gets put in its canister and then it's it's mostly gone yeah um and it's it's not really brought back that Until much? Criterion, Until, like, yeah, yeah. refurbishes it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but that restores. That's so that's that's for. a big thing. Is is a, the way that a lot of people, of I guess older generations who are into, you know, these types of movies were introduced to them through those local theaters, mm. and that was the only way they ever saw them. Was like, I got to see one Ozu movie one time because you know, that theater that I regularly go to in, in downtown Denver or whatever that I drive 40 minutes to happened to be playing at one time. And I, and I just bl- kind of blindly go to these movies mm. and that's the only way that I know who that is. And then you read a book on it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, so I, there are a lot of those theaters around that um, still get some support, but it's definitely not as big of a thing anymore because well, one, because the internet makes things more accessible and two, because now chains like AMC or whatever, because people actually know about these movies a bit more, chains mm-hmm. like AMC might mm-hmm. might actually play those now. Yeah. Uh, um, AMC actually like having a whole like sep- slightly different marketing spin on different movies where they're yeah. like AMC artisan films. Right. Mm. Yeah. They'll get those they like... include weird stuff in that category yeah. sometimes. Yeah, that's sometimes. True. That's true. But but it you know it's it's your not as high budget right. blockbuster. It's or not something. the it's, big it's, studio it's, movie. Whoa. It's just a smaller yeah. studio movie. <laughs> so now it's accessible enough that I feel like yeah, art house is kind of what that means. Probably makes a bit less sense because there's not as much context for it. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and a big so what we are having here, we have the art house sort of cinema scene prior to this point and now we're transferring more into the realm of uh being able to watch things at home is becoming more accessible especially as we're moving into toward sort of the 80s uh we're gonna get like vhs we're gonna get blockbuster videos and Laser stuff in the disc. yeah yep betamax and yes. the... we should get a sound bite of the the coming soon to oh, vhs yeah it's that would like destroy your mind it's it. a different scene and so when technology changes it really changes the nature of what sort of film is being made like we're seeing that now streaming has happened 
and suddenly things are changing a lot. A lot of big major directors and a lot of filmmakers and a lot of companies, instead of producing like movies, they're producing miniseries or Mm -hmm. television series because having something that is long and can be released weekly or something at this point is better for these streaming companies because they're in such competition with each other. And they just need content, content, content to get people to give them money. And so... Give me more money! Each technological boon brings, like, some really good advantages and some disadvantages. So, like, with the rise of home video, it brings about, like, a lot more visibility. Like, you can see so many more movies now. You can just find movies that you've never seen before. And, and do it. But also, it makes, like, the theater-going experience uh, much less of a... It, it kind of makes cinema less either popcorn or art house. Mm. You, you just have movies. Yeah, well, it makes going to the cinema not a necessity anymore, yeah. so now it's like its own it's now it's like a thing it's like yeah. you go out to the movies not because you don't not because maybe you want to see a movie but because you want to go to the movies yeah. and that does yeah, obviously yeah. change what is being made so during this period that we're in currently it is becoming more uh it's becoming easier for people to find distribution for films and so there becomes a big a big boom in low budget film companies and a lot of those are actually out of Italy. So we had like Cinema Verity, like the Italian neorealism movement, and we had like Fellini and stuff like that. And now we have the Spaghetti Western. So we did cover uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And then there's also different genres of just really low budget movies. And there is a genre specific to kind of Italy uh, called giallo, which this falls into. And so giallo is just the Italian word for yellow. And um, hmm. But this uh, movie's red. So uh, <laughs> it, the, the, the... Thanks for laughing at my joke. Fun giallo <laughs> fact. Uh, this is the one thing that if you know about giallo, you, you know it about giallo. Uh, they were all inspired by Agatha Christie murder mysteries. What? Around, That's so cool. Around this time, uh, all of Agatha Christie's works got published in Italy, and they were like blockbusters. Like everyone loved them, and they're all printed in the first printing with yellow covers. So they had yellow covers with like mm. whatever cover design and title and whatever. And that so it sounds like the set of Nancy Drew that I had. That was the yellow and blue. Yeah, those classics. Yeah, yeah. love it. And so in Italy mystery films became equated with yellow covers kind of like how certain genres of like adventure and stuff in america were uh like penny dreadfuls or like pulp fiction uh yellow books were mystery books and Hmm. so yellow films or giallo films are mystery films and the thing that makes them stand apart from like other types of mystery film um is the style that developed over its lifespan because it started off with very 
like more Agatha Christie style like murder mysteries. Like someone would die, and then you'd have to figure out who did it, and there'd be like killings and stuff. But certain tropes started to develop. Like the killers would always have like black gloves, mm-hmm. and the directors would start using like really dramatic lighting. Like one of the first ge- uh, like films that's like in the giallo category you have like mario bava's blood and black lace which is set at like a fashion uh designer company and it's a bunch of so usually it's set in a location where you can have a lot of pretty female characters to get killed and they use really dramatic lighting and cool set design and a you have a series of people dying within the film and then you have some mystery killer or something and as the genre evolves, you get... So there are three big giallo directors. There's Mario Bava, Lucio Fulci, and uh, Dario Argento, who did Suspiria. And as it goes on, it starts going more supernatural and uh, like mixing a bit more with the Italian horror scene. Because like Lucio Fulci, there was like a bunch of zombie movies and a bunch of stuff that was coming out then really cheap. So now we have this whole scene of just really cheap movies that are just doing really interesting things artistically. And then we get something like Suspiria coming along here, which is like one of the most famous popular like horror movies from around this time because of it's pretty as hell and it's really interesting and different from like everything else. Uh, the supernatural aspect intrigued me, and I thought it was funny when she's talking to Jack, the psychiatrist friend, and he's like, supernatural things are just a figment of your mind being broken, and like we can fix that, which I thought was interesting, because that's a kind of huge aspect in modern psychology. That's kind of a new thing, where more psychologists are like, actually, spirituality is really important to the human psyche. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. But, and th- but I thought it was interesting that he's like, hey, like, my friend over here wrote this book, like, you should listen to him. And then the friend comes over and is like, witches are definitely real. <laughs> like, they're definitely real. And I thought it was funny because the first guy's like, it's all just your mind playing tricks on you. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great. I, I do think that that scene in general, it strikes me as weird, mainly because it is providing exposition that is unnecessary with how little you need to know about what's going on because it's so dreamlike and whatever. Yeah. So it, it does kind of just slow down. Oh, that scene of... is, is like one of my, my most least favorite scenes in the movie because it suddenly you're like out in broad daylight and it feels like every other low budget movie where someone's just walking up to you in an, open block that they could probably get permits to shoot on really cheap and just yelling exposition at you. Um, it, it definitely feels, so it also feels more like the seventies, like the costumes feel more seventies mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the block, like concrete blocks. And it's the first time. I mean, I guess you're in the airport and Olga's apartment, but Olga's apartment is just as garish as the, yeah. um, the school and so it's the first time that you're kind of like whoa the 70s were a really stark time for architecture huh yeah it, well it feels very disconnected because the entire movie outside of this has been very stylized and so you can kind of read it as being 
So this is actually someone contacting you from outside this world. So you've been in this yeah. dream world and now you are breaking out and you're seeing like reality like this. You are, you have escaped the, the dream world. I um, think my favorite shot in the entire movie is in that scene though. Mm. And it's when the professor is talking to Susie about witches and the camera, like you're looking at them and there's a window behind them and it zooms through them to the window and somehow the way that it was lit or the way the window was reflected, you see two reflections of the professor guy mm -hmm. and only one of Susie. And so it's like, like they're offset. Like when you look at a, mm. like a 3D image, yeah, yeah. 3D glasses. So it's their offset for him. And then she's just one. And for some reason that was, I think one of my favorite shots in the whole movie, just because it was so intentional and it, it sets her aside as a, something that's different and mm. I don't know, it just, it, it isolates her in a really unique way where he's, it made him feel realer than she was in some ways. I don't know. Mm. I just thought that was a really intriguing shot. That is really interesting. Shot. Yeah, I didn't, I don't think I picked up on that one. I don't yeah. know. But I should go back and look at it because that, that intrigues me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and well, so thinking about interesting choices, I, in our group chat while y'all were watching the movie, you kept bringing up this thing. Uh, witches, prominent in movies witches? of the time. <laughs> yes, witches. Which is? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of these low-budget sort of Italian films were shot specifically for American markets. Mm -hmm. So they were oh, shot yes, yes. to be dubbed in English, and some of the actors might have been like American or British or something and can speak English, but a lot of them are just Italians can't speak anything other than Italian, <laughs> and are like ret. They speak yeah. their lines a lot of in a lot of movies. They just like read the lines in Italian, and then in post, they just dub over them with like English actors, or they might get like someone who can only speak Italian to like read English lines phonetically and they get someone else to dub them over. Nice, <laughs> but like most all the sound in these movies were produced in post because running a as we talked about in our like eight and a half video, uh -huh. running both uh, video and audio synchronously is just a lot more expensive. You need a whole audio crew on hand. You yeah. need to worry about syncing for every shot and everything like that. And so to make it cheaper, they would just like shoot video and then record all the audio in post. Which is what they did in eight and a half, but we couldn't really tell because mm -hmm. they were speaking Italian, and so we weren't really paying yeah. attention because we were. Just well, and they also the kind of played into the trope, like having people's voices sound a lot closer. I don't know. I feel like they played with it in a way that was really interesting and not frustrating. Yeah, it yeah. does add to the dreamlike feel of the movie. Mm -hmm. In it this does. case, specifically, yeah. a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually didn't notice the dubbing at all. I was surprised when it started and everyone was speaking English because I was like, wait a minute, I thought this was an Italian movie and all the <laughs> credits were in Italian. But I had the subtitles on because my AC is super loud and I didn't want to put it in headphones, which was a good choice because I think I would have gotten too scared. <laughs> um, and I was also sewing. So I, I didn't spend a lot of time just staring at people's faces to notice the dubbing. And then I was reading Letterboxd reviews and everyone was like, LOL, the dubbing. And then in the group chat, everyone was like, haha, the dubbing was so bad. And I was like, what? what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like the first bit of dialogue in the movie, I was like, what is, what's happening? There's what? She's like getting in the taxi. Yeah. yeah. I, it was very weird from the beginning for me. 
Um, wow. But yeah, I guess that that was the if thing. Is it only because it just is a bad voiceover performance from pretty much everyone? Yeah, it's like, not great. Like <laughs> I don't know if it would good. have been less noticeable if the acting was better. Mm-hmm. And I also thought earlier maybe that um, the the acting being kind of bad is maybe also what makes the script feel even worse. It, yeah. Okay. The, that's the thing that I wonder about this movie is like. There are lots of things about the movie that because of their their production or the way that it ended up and and some of those things sound intentional and some of them don't it all ends up enhancing the dreamlike quality of the movie yeah. like is the movie lucky that's yeah <laughs> like, how much of that is intentional like all movies are accidents and mm, so yeah. like you can try and read what parts of the text were intentional decisions and which weren't but you're never going to fully be able to parse that. Mm-hmm. And so a text is what it is. And yeah. so if we just read the text, even like if a decision was made accidentally and everyone's like, I don't agree with that, uh, who made it? Still fair game, I say. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm not. <laughs> Still fair game, I say. It's very British all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not like a big proponent, obviously, of, yeah, like author intentionality as as being crucial to the way that somebody reads a film. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't generally think it matters. Um, Like, you know, you can have an ethical concern with somebody like if this person is, is the worst, uh, I don't want to consume their media or whatever. Uh, Or you can see like, I don't know. I just read an interesting post about separating the author from the art, Mm -hmm. but then they were kind of like, no, if the author was super racist, then the characters in their book are going to be written from a racist perspective, mm-hmm. and you can tell that in the book. In like yeah. anyway, that's I, kind of a tangent, but author intention sometimes is important and sometimes is not. Yeah, I do think that there is sometimes an ethical concern with an author's intention, but I do not think that it's like essential to a reading of the text all of which is to say like it does sound like a lot of what makes this movie work is a bit of an accident but that's not to say that that i guess ultimately ultimately changes anything about it i would still think that the most important things are in the intentional parts yeah. yeah, being the cinematography, the sets, the that's the, the, those are the, the bits that stand out the most it. for me. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. But that's how I think of it, I guess. But there are uh, a lot of other parts that are like, well, it helps, but I don't know if you meant to do it that way. <laughs> I do think it is interesting trying to think about what the the author's perspective of a piece of media is because. Mm-hmm. It's just nice to know what potential biases you're running into, mm-hmm. and like it, uh, it honestly helps you like read things more critically. If you are, go into a piece of media, it's like okay, so the author here, let's say we have an H.P. Lovecraft, and you're reading H.P. Lovecraft, and I'm like, oh yeah, I've read that he is a very, very racist, xenophobic <laughs> person, uh, but and so you go in and you, you read read his books, and you're like. Or short stories, or whatever, and and you're like, oh, so I can see here exactly what he's doing, and so I don't subconsciously ingest those tropes mm-hmm. into my like miasma, 
when you recognize them and you can kind of like see what they're doing and the negative things that they're portraying, I don't think it affects you as much and it allows you to like be able to see how people's perspectives color their like outlook on life. And and so I think that's very interesting and I think it it's it helps you better read media, but it doesn't like necessarily determine it's what you need it to mean, if that makes sense. But the trouble with that is, and I agree with you that being able to separate yourself from the author's intention and just kind of like, I see what you're doing there. I don't want to accept that part, but I also really like this aspect or I can learn from this part. I think that's really cool. And I definitely do that. However, it's a tricky thing. And I was just talking to a gal last night and she has a list on Letterboxd. It's like movies that men can't understand. And on it is like Pulp Fiction, Fight Club, uh, <laughs> and all these other, like Fight Club especially, because I, I don't know, I've seen it and I don't want to spoil all of my whole rant, but Fight Club and Eight and a Half, we've both talked about as ones where there's, and potentially Eight and a Half, that's kind of up for debate because we mm. don't really know what Fellini was intending um, with his like harem scenes. Yeah. But if it is supposed to be satire or sarcasm or subtext and people miss that especially with fight club i've seen so many people miss it that in some ways i'm like eh, i don't care that the author's intention was to poke fun at the exact people who accept this as truth mm-hmm. it's too dangerous to even be out there because people accept it as truth oh yeah i i think there's too many i think there's just there's too many dimensions to a piece of art to I feel like use just one theory of interpretation. Like the new critics are all about like, just read the text, just read the text as it is. And in that case, um, if somebody was a fan of the new critics, but also informed by like some more like feminist critique from, from the modern day would probably just read that movie as being kind of, just just misogynistic and and bad and embracing toxic masculinity and that's just what the text is and would not care yeah. about what the author is has to say other people of different schools would be like what the author has to say is the only thing that's important some people would say it's only the way that it impacts the audience that's important um but but i honestly feel like there are two there's just too many dimensions when you're talking about art to to limit yourself to just one but it's mm-hmm. i think important to recognize where you're pulling things from uh, if that makes sense like yeah knowing totally. how you're analyzing a film by what metrics you're analyzing a film what things you're incorporating is crucial to having any kind of reasonable holistic take on a film if you want to do a specific reading of a film do a specific reading but we're trying to talk about a film as the way that we're doing it. Well, like we're exactly. It so, so I, I think what my original thing that I was, I was just saying is that knowing the author's biases going in is a tool that is valuable. The thing that I find when reading a lot of these movies, I think it's much more interesting and something that we can measure a bit more definitively is the cultural legacy of movies. Like hmm. what is, the movie has become culturally and at 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 some point like yeah the author can mean something you can have your own personal readings of it but it's also really interesting what uh, a 
piece of media is as a part of the cultural uh, psyche. Psyche, yeah, the the cultural subconscious, whatever. And so we have different things with different films, like one flew over to the cuckoo's nest mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that, where the whatever the film is, it has kind of become something different culturally. It, I, I think that's just important, and that's that's kind of as a piece of art where it gains significance outside of personal, whatever personal value it has to you. Uh, and those tools and those perceptions of the culture, we can kind of read and see, so what does what are people's like cultural thoughts at, at different moments when films are like they come out and they like really connect with people and you're like huh what is that actually saying about the time that this came out and oh this movie has been like reinterpreted or reclaimed over time and stuff like that which is a lot of the debate around certain films that came out like birth of a nation where you can like have people are like no 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 it's it's it has a bunch of dw griffith griffiths like period defining technical achievements and everything and it's worthwhile for that but as a piece of cultural history it as a film it is pretty uninteresting for that it as cultural history it tells you a lot about how that film was received about the time that we're in and I also think like something like Gone with the Wind that we covered tells you a lot about that time too because that film is very nostalgic for the pre-Civil War era in the South. It's, speci- it's like yeah. it's just nostalgic for like slavery basically. Oh, the good old days. I mean exactly. Okay, and like, so why that at that movie. time was oh. everyone was every why is that when accounting for inflation the most successful movie ever made that really connected with people that touched a cultural spot and you're like oh and it's not like people people were protesting that movie when it came out because it's like nostalgic for slavery that's that's what that movie's vibe is and yet it seems that at the time and even still to some point with the like people who still really really connect with that movie they are very, very nostalgic for that time. That tells us a lot about how we actually, as a culture, have, like, where we are and where we're at and where our thought processors are at. So, um... Yeah, that's a good good word. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, we have gone far off topic. Hunter, save the podcast, please. Um, oh, my favorite time rescue the podcast by saying... Um, yeah. Every, everything that that you can that is consumed goes through the lens of the self, and there are many selves. <laughs> that's actually that's, hella deep. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Uh, I don't know what that means, uh, but I thought it. It's in my brain. Um, I don't know. This movie's cool. That's cool. That's it. That's, Yay! Do we have mm, anything no else empty. to say about the movie? Um, I do have one question. <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was was that your brain dying or yes. okay it's just I'm me sorry. you know me I don't have no you have good thought i, I don't have think thoughts i don't know Ooh. i i appreciate that the but w- what i what i 
I have one question that it has to do specifically with Suspiria, and it, it's uh, what what is the thing with money? They like try to make that a thing oh. for a bit. Yeah, it's. I think it's supposed mm. to be like commentary on German culture, but but it's I just don't know. like a scene where people are like, "Uh, money things," and she's like, "Oh, okay," and then. Another person comes by and is like, ah, did they get you with the money things? And she's like, yeah. And then it's just never brought up again. And it just doesn't yeah. matter at all. I, I think but that But also then money things don't matter because she, like, gives her back the rent. So it's like, no, no it's not really a thing. It was just a little piece okay. of random. I think what that's trying to get at is kind of the culture of the school where people are not, like, working together or really connected with each other. They're... In, competition with each other yeah but and they all like thematically come back it feels like well no so i don't i don't think it's really a thematic through line other than well as a piece except of, like, that the one guy was like witches will do anything for money and they'll hurt other people just so they could get more money that's kind of their whole gig i it, yeah. it's kind of so the culture of the school is that these witches are both like kind of spiritually and physically like vampirically like sucking the energy out of these students but also they're sucking the money out of these students so you get there and all the students are desperate for money they're like like this girl loans Susie her shoes and she's like oh and you can buy them from me if you want because you're you're new and fresh and you actually have money left in your life and I have to spend all my time doing ballet and everything costs money and I have no way to make money because I spend all my time doing ballet to be able to do this school yeah and uh, Susie's like oh I already have my shoes and she's like Oh no! Oh no! I I don't have something there, and that's why everyone's like so concerned. It's it's this sort of okay that also yeah. like connects with Mike's character and how he just kind of like does the will of the headmistress lady because he doesn't have enough money. Yeah, yeah, they're they're slowly taking away the witches are slowly taking away everybody's like ability to to be self sufficient. It they, it's like an abusive toxic relationship where they're financially abusive they make you completely dependent on them for your entire livelihood so you can't leave those darn witches yeah Yeah, heck those guys i mean wait oh wait there's probably a metaphor in there (gasps) for actual witches yeah for real witches (laughs) real real witches are chill stop being mean disrespect to the actual witches i don't think i've met a not chill witch just saying yeah agree she's a witch i probably haven't um i I would uh, i don't know like that reading is there if i wrote an essay i would feel like oh yeah this is a pretty good case for it or whatever like i could it's a metaphor for capitalism and if you kill the ceo the organization falls yeah (laughs) yeah let's and this uh ceo is an invisible witch who sits in a bedroom behind a, a wall where they have boardrooms that meet it's so within the walls of the school. They have boardrooms that beat. And I did like conspiratize the, the weird snoring head witch that just kind of appeared sometimes. That was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having at the end, I don't know why she was invisible. Okay. Yeah. Also, she fun. has sleep apnea. Like, get get some help. That's true. Like, they probably had things Ooh, for that back. And then. they didn't ever show her fully. That was kind of cool too. Yeah. Just showing the like the quick glimpses even mm-hmm. while she was being stabbed to death it was it was good nice. but even though i feel like i could write an essay on the money thing yeah. now that like yeah those threads are kind of there but 
I also yeah. feel like it's kind of irrelevant to yeah. the movie. Still. Everything is irrelevant to the movie. It's it's a vibe movie, and it it's yeah. it, it's for the vibe. You you're you're I trying know. too hard. I'm I'm <laughs> not saying I'm it. trying to. I mean, I guess my thought is is mainly just if the movie's a vibe movie, and it's supposed to get you with some spookums and some and some. Spookums. Some spookums and some technical effects and things. If the way that I work is I will either be negatively emotionally impacted by those things or I will cut myself off from it and be desensitized, in which case those things don't matter to me anyway. Like, this is just maybe me personally and why movies like this don't work for me is it, i'm either going to be scared or i'm going to ignore the things that it's actually caring about as a film and then it's all the other details that i've like yeah there's not a lot here for me to grasp onto yeah. what totally i will fine say for it to not be your type of movie i appreciated the score i like when it scream at you but I also I don't like that. when they scream at you. Like I just the think whispering, that it's a cool the detail. constant yeah. whispering. Uh, yeah, 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 it was yeah, awesome. And then at one point he says witches, doesn't witch, he? Witch. No, he just says witch. Witch. Yeah, it's great. I mean, yeah, I, think I that's definitely fun. got like sensory overload it, by the end. I was like, this is well, so yeah. much for my eyes and ears. Well, exactly. Like the things that I could recognize that there were like pretty things and cool things, um, but also it didn't exactly like click for me in a good way. It was like, I gotta, I gotta like turn down the volume a little bit or yeah. like, so I don't know. I guess I kind of feel the same way about it that I feel about the other ones, except I actually appreciate a whole lot more about it than everything else. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's it's still chill. not my genre, I guess. Although I am curious about last night in Soho now, cause that's supposed to be Giallo, right? <laughs> Yeah, so oh, it's yeah. it seems uh, sort of like, so you know how there's like neo-noir movies that come out sometimes and like neo-westerns were kind of a thing for a bit in the 2010s. Mm -hmm. uh, Neo-Giallo is kind of a thing now. Like there's this fun uh, directing team, uh, uh, Helene Catet and Bruno Forzani, who did Amer, uh, The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, and uh, Watch the Corpses Tan, that are just... There, there's a whole genre of movies that are just going apeshit on style over substance Italian style filmmaking. Like, mm -hmm. and I, it's my vibe, and a lot of people don't like that sort of thing. Hmm. I, if I had to bet, I'd think that Last Night in Soho is like the most commercial, like cinephile friendly version of that probably it's coming from like, a big boy it's coming from it's edgar wright who cool did baby people. driver it's got some cool people in it that yeah. people know the i wonder all the new anya taylor joy fans who watch the queen's gamut are gonna be like oh my god it gonna hurt me i'm gonna be in pain about, and i'm gonna go see it it's gonna be awesome yeah cool <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. I've seen the trailer a, a great many of times, so now I know the I premise, and I'm like, I haven't even seen it shoot. once. Shoot, yeah, avoid it. Yeah, you, no need for spoilers here. Well, um, uh, Hunter, find us a quote. So we can we get out of yeah, here. yeah, we have my desperately. Quote, my quote is ah, ah, okay. Ah, Fun dies. <laughs>
That's pretty good. That's it. That's, that's, a that's I great. I don't feel like trying um, to quote today. Yeah, so find us on not social media. No way. Um, and <laughs> it's out there. You can search for it. Uh, yeah, we it. don't actually post Ooh. anything on it, but it's there. Go to movie overload. Part. Or don't. I keep getting emails <laughs> about needing to renew it, and I'm like, I don't even know if it's worth it, man. I don't. I don't know nothing. Renewing what? The WordPress for the website. Oh. It costs money. Yeah. Um, oh, it do though. Yep. Uh, speaking of which, we do have a Patreon. You can give us money. Well, uh, it would be appreciated. But also, we do not. We ha- we haven't put up any like special content to incentivize you to do so. Keep the lights on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally. Just altruism. I'm dying uh, over here. Uh, you can also yeah. find us on Letterboxd. Uh, True. We uh, loses the password every few weeks <laughs> and find forgets again. to post things for months on end. I will never ever. Do, 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 Although, ever if you if it. you want to see what sort of stuff we're watching in our free time, you can find us at our individual I'm not watching anything pages. In I only watch podcast movies. Uh, yeah, it's I was about true. to say I only watch podcast movies. Eh. Now. You watch a few more, but it, I it's, have it's in the past enough. couple weeks just because I've been like traveling or like. Yeah. You've yeah. been living your life. Follow me on rawg.io to see what video games I'm playing. <laughs> okay, yes. And now that the Anyway, so bye. Decide, <laughs> follow me on uh, Twitter to see what uh, hockey uh, I'm yeah. ranting about. Uh, okay. <laughs> Don't follow me on Instagram because I never post there. Hooray. Yeah, right. and uh, leave us a review on the podcast yes. things. Uh no one's done it yet. So that we have things. Well, a couple of people have. Oh, okay, cool. uh, one person came on and it was like, well, that's someone else. That's how to lose an audience oh, in like yeah. 60 seconds. I'm like, True. oh, so, so I'm imagining it's the fuck Woody Allen, but it might <laughs> it just was. be that we're kind of disorganized it might and be not terribly pleasant. We're check. just noodle people. <laughs> I'm promised <laughs> next week I'm going to come so, ag- well, I guess not next week, but the week after that. I'm gonna become. I'm gonna come so aggressively prepared for oh. Star Wars that we're gonna Star Wars two. We're gonna start a new era of the podcast. Whoa. We're halfway through. Uh, you can try. I Format am going might to. change a little bit. I'm gonna put in some effort hmm. on my end. We're gonna sort it out. Okay. That's my, um, that's my thought. That's although, my oh, so next week, uh, what we're planning, we're um, trying to do is oh. uh, just a retrospective of. We're halfway through the list now, Woo-hoo. and. What have we thought of it? What sort of movies uh, do we, what would we put on the list so far that we haven't put on, like things that we found that were like, actually, I think this is really important and we missed it, or stuff that we're like, I don't know if we needed to watch that. <laughs> it's not really important. We watched like 50 other movies from around that time. Like, yeah. Yeah, so we'll try to revise um, the list a little bit, like at least yeah. the first 50. Yeah, um, we'll come up with maybe our, our top five, uh, mayhaps. We'll we'll talk about it after cool. we're, yeah. we're done recording. Yeah. Tune in next uh, week. But, uh, yeah. d- d- so long, uh, and don't forget to write. Get out of here. Bye. Bye. You scallywags. I'll miss you. I almost didn't watch the Dune trailer, but then I did.
I can't oh, remember. Well, I still if haven't I watched, watched it. The, I, actually, maybe I shouldn't watch the Dune trailer. It's well, whatever. It's Dune. If you read Dune, it's just like wow, right. that's yeah. half of Dune. I, I actually, yeah. If you have not, if you do not know the plot of Dune, I actually would kind of avoid the trailer because it like I mean, sort I'm, of spoils. I'm, some stuff. I'm making good headway through the plot of Dune. So yeah, nice. you know what's I'm tragic close. though heck yeah, heck yeah. is that it's only isn't it only half the book? It's part one of two. Yeah. Yeah, of but the they first didn't book. get part two greenlit. We sure yet. don't. Uh, we're gonna put a yet on there and it, be very optimistic. It depends on mm. how the movie performs. I guess so. If the movie performed good, then we actually get to see the second half of Dune. Mm. <laughs> I'm gonna go see Otherwise, it ten times. It might feel like a cliffhanger, and yep, I've and everyone's it. gonna be confused uh-huh. and like Dune sucks. Yeah. And it's weird because oh. I don't know that Denis Villeneuve is Dinas. Dinas has like knocked Sorry. it out of the park. If you are listening right now, just so you know, uh, the the podcast is over at this point. Yeah, We're going can, to wow. not talk about anything else. Up now you for can. A while, I guess. They're just going to keep unless you want to hear about this. But 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 you know, last time Dinas did a blockbuster film, um, it made zero dollars. It, it made zero dollars. It was really good. It what made movie zero was dollars. it? Blade, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, ah, I um, haven't seen it. It's like two people like Blade Runner. Yeah, they're both in this room. Wait, and they wait are. A <laughs> um, a bunch of people like Blade. three. It, <laughs> it, I saw it in done. a whole uh, theater. I didn't like. Oh, I mean, heck I, yeah. I, I saw I it like in the theater. Half like Blade people. Runner. It also gave me sensory overload, and I didn't like that because I was wait, like, I'm stressed out. <laughs> Have fun yeah. watching that again uh, in three weeks. I saw it with my dad. Yep. Yes, it's good. But uh, also before that was Arrival, which like was some good. I feel it like got some awesome. Oh, I love Arrival. That's one of my favorite movies. Quite a yes. few people. Yeah. It's pretty good. That one did okay. I just like the themes of it. I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. Really yeah. Like it. I don't know. I, I hope they just market the ever living crap out of Dune, which they yeah, are kind they're, of they're doing. But Timothy Chalamet's in it, right? So that's going to yeah, get like right. every white it's got girl big star it's power. Got Chalamet. We'll see yeah, if it actually he's works. He's in there. So Momo is <laughs> in there. Zendaya is in there. Like it's got Jalami, the crew. Moms. Well, and I, so I don't know if all y'all know how the box office is tending to work right now, but basically every movie <laughs> comes in has a decent opening and then they trail off hard second That's weekend. That's what I think is yeah. And it the only movies that seem to have any staying power are ones that don't have like a concurrent streaming release. Which, right, which this movie will This movie yeah. is coming out on HBO Max. I so, think it will die. I don't think we're getting a part two. I, I, I think oh. that it is a bit sad because I think that the first part, it might generate some buzz and people might see it. But I think that the people who hear about it and are going to see it are who aren't going opening weekend because they love the idea and they're already sold are just going to grab it on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. I think it will probably perform... Marginally better than twenty forty nine, but like that has to mean something, right? Still watching it on HB- on HBO, like yeah, yeah they like, probably yeah. Count they those did that, gives they, but yeah. some and they've credit. been doing that. But like, if that it's long, then it's not going to do well on HBO Max. People are going to turn it on and they're going to see that the watch time is well, not okay. Super long. Does that, People are going to turn it off. Snyder, but does that count really as well a watch though? Yes, but yeah, the only different. long things that I can think of, like I thought, oh, I was like, I was like oh, Endgame did really well. It's three hours, but then I'm also like, well, yeah, but they've also have these rabid fan base that's you know, yeah. been going Star on for Wars ten was years. Super long, and so was uh, Justice League. Well, the mm. the thing is, Justice League was super long. It already has a big cultural footprint has, in that space. It has people who have 
had to watch a bunch of movies getting yeah. up to this. This is a movie it's a well-known that thing. for the most part people know is a property, but they don't know anything about it. And they haven't watched a bunch of movies leading up to this like big. That's true. Like if you didn't like, already they, care about superhero movies to some extent, you probably didn't have any interest in watching the Snyder Cut. Nobody I didn't. isn't into DC like, watched the Snyder Cut. I haven't cut watched any of these, but well, I watched this well, four Except hour we all watched the Snyder Cut. But right, we've but, seen but, like, pretty I'm much s- all the DC I'm movies. I'm slightly invested in right? superhero we're movies. We're a little so bit invested. Like, like we're not like rabid fans, but we are right. invested. There was enough there. Whereas like Dune is just like, it is a sci-fi movie based on big book you've probably heard of but haven't read. Yeah, I think people are going to be intimidated by and it. And there was that one people bad might movie break that into one it. bad miniseries. I think people might break in to try to see Chalamet, uh, yeah, but I sure. don't think people are going to watch the whole thing. Like, I think they're going to be like, okay, we'll I don't want to do this. But what if That's true. All of the white girls bones. who watch it for Chalamet say, it are going to be, be confused so by political good. world building, which is yeah. all true. that Dune is. Mm-hmm. True. And I, and I think just the... the, the I don't know. I don't know that there's going to be enough Oscar Isaac. I guess we'll see. Ooh, he's got the beard, though. Okay. 